What's up, Buffalonians? It's your boy, Nick English. If you want the facts, the stats, and all the sports info in the 716, you have come to the right place. This is English Encore, Buffalo's favorite sports channel. I'm your host, Nick English. I am back, everyone. I greatly appreciate all of your patience over the past week and a half or so. I've finally settled in and moved down to sunny Florida. Um, so I finally got my setup right, gotten my notes down, kind of gotten everything set up. I've been doing things as you saw my post on Instagram. I am getting merchandise out for everyone. Um, so pre-orders for my shirts will be next Wednesday, September 9th. And then the 16th, if you don't pre-order, is when you can actually start purchasing them. I'm going to have all that information for you guys out today on my Instagram page. So if you don't follow me already, go ahead and give that blue button a follow. It's at English Encore Podcast, all one word. You can click on the video and wait till the end for the surprise and see the actual apparel. Excuse me. But I'm super excited to be back with you guys. I'm going to be setting up some live sessions in the coming weeks. I have a few people that I'm talking to. Like I said, I was getting settled in down here in Florida, but I have two or three um, potential guests lined up over the next three or four weeks or so. So stay tuned to Instagram for that. I'm hoping to have um, a guest announced later this week, probably Friday or Saturday for next week. Just figuring out the date and time um, for you guys. So I'll let you guys um, get notified on that. So getting back into my normal schedule will be starting next week. I know I'm doing an episode today, which is a Wednesday, and then I'll be having another episode on Friday. Next week, I'll be going back to my regular Monday-Friday schedule, Monday focusing on Buffalo sports, and then Friday just the general things around sporting world, NBA, NHL playoffs, um, you know, tennis, U.S. Opens just starting, so we'll probably get into that a little bit next week as well. Today, I'm be going through my 53-man roster projection for the Buffalo Bills as the season is just a few short weeks away. Begin going into the Toronto Blue Jays, or as many people like to call them now, the Buffalo Blue Jays playing at Salem Field. They have been on a roll lately, so I'm going to be talking about them and the moves that they made at the trade deadline just a few days ago. And then finally, we're going through a perfect offseason for the Buffalo Sabres. This is exactly what I would do if I was the GM. Going through a few trades I would make, what players I would and wouldn't re-sign. I know I've kind of touched on that a little bit back and forth. I'm on some previous episodes a few months ago, but this is my you know full next year roster. I would hope the Sabres could potentially get. It's obviously a long shot, but you can only hope, right? So let's get right into it, everyone. So starting off with the Buffalo Bills. Um, they've just got their pads on a few short weeks ago. They said Allen looked incredible um, in the first scrimmage. So that's great to hear, especially when Stephon Diggs didn't even participate because of some lower back issues, but he is back and practicing um, just like everyone else is. There really isn't any major injury concerns right now. I know a lot of the guys a few days ago took some um, rest days and were a little bit sick. John Brown, Quentin Spain, those guys. Tyler Croft had a little bit of injury scare, but he is back practicing as well. So I'm going to going through position by position and giving you how many players I think are going to make the 53-man roster as well as who is on the injured um, reserve as of right now. And then some names to keep an eye on for the practice squad if they clear waivers after the Bills cut them. Um, it's coming down next Saturday. Excuse me, this Saturday is when they got to cut the roster down. So this is what my prediction would be. 
for their 53-man roster for their opening day game in just a few short weeks versus the New York Jets. So at the quarterback position, it's pretty simple. Josh Allen and Matt Barkley were locks for it. The big question is, were they going to have that third quarterback? And I believe they will. I think when they invested a fifth-round pick in Jake Fromm, they saw the potential in him. For a player that's played in a lot of high-leverage games in college, you don't put a fifth-round pick um, just to throw it out there. I think they're going to bring him on, let him learn under Allen and Barkley, be a part of the 53-man roster, especially because Allen is a mobile quarterback. He does have that injury risk. We saw he had the concussion last year. He injured his arm a few years ago against the Texans. So you always have to be aware and have that guy ready. And I think transitioning into next year, I think Fromm's going to take that backup spot from Barkley. So I think it'd be great to have him there. So I'm going to go with three quarterbacks making the Bills 53-man roster. As far as running back goes, I have them keeping four. I have Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. Those guys are obviously going to be your one-two punch. TJ Yeldon. He hasn't really been utilized since he's been on the Bills, but for some reason, I think, you know, the coaching staff really enjoys him. The front office thinks he's a good asset for the team. I thought they underutilized him last year as far as the passing game goes. I think they should involve him a lot more in screens and reverses this year, which I think they will, not to mention he's an okay special teamer. And then Taiwan Jones, who they brought back, they he killed us in the playoffs when he was on the Texans. He was with us when we made the playoffs. He's a guy that really isn't going to get too many looks, I think, on offense. Although I wouldn't be surprised if he gets thrown in for some reverse plays along with Isaiah McKenzie, which I kind of just gave a spoiler of him making um, my cut. But um, he's also a very good special teamer. Special teams have been a very focal point of the offseason. The Bills special teams were not very good last year. And I think Brandon Bean did a great job in the offseason going out and getting guys. And I saw Jody Biasi tweeted um, just a few days ago from WGR that Taiwan Jones is actually the highest paid running back for the Buffalo Bills, which is just incredible job by Brandon Bean. Putting money in young running backs with Moss and Singletary both being on their rookie deals, and then Taiwan Jones, a key special teamer, and Yeldon, very cheap contract as well. As far as fullback goes, I think this is a very intriguing battle between Patrick DeMarco, um, excuse me, and Reggie Gillum. And I've heard great things about Reggie, and I wouldn't be surprised if he eventually takes over for DeMarco. However, just based on Sean McDermott's comments the other day talking about how much more Reggie has to learn, um, I just think that they're going to roll with DeMarco at least to start the season um, just because they want to have that veteran guy in there. With no preseason games, it's very hard to evaluate how these young guys are going to adjust in their first few NFL games. And from the looks of what McDermott was saying, he still has to learn to be a better blocker. He has shown promise out of the backfield catching the ball. But I think they're going to roll with DeMarco. So for right now, I have them only keeping DeMarco. But I do have Reggie Gillum uh, being on the practice squad. As far as wide receivers go, I have the Bills keeping seven total. Stephon Diggs, John Brown, Cole Beasley are easily locks. Gabe Davis, their fourth-round pick, has been amazing throughout camp and is a lock for this roster, no doubt. I think he's going to be a huge factor for the Buffalo Bills this year. Then this is where you get the tricky part. You have Isaiah McKenzie, you have Andre Roberts, Isaiah Hodgins, Duke Williams, Robert Foster. So the four that I kept out of those, or three, excuse me, was Isaiah McKenzie, Isaiah Hodgins, and Andre Roberts. Andre Roberts, because he's a Pro Bowl special teamer, he's very reliable, he's not going to fumble the ball on kickoff and punt returns, 
He's also shown the ability to be an okay receiver as well. Isaiah Hodgins has been great in camp. It really came down to the final spot between him and Duke Williams, although I think Duke Williams, if he clears waivers, will be back on the Bills practice squad. Robert Foster just has not been healthy enough and hasn't shown anything since his rookie year, so I have him getting cut as well. And then as I touched on a little bit before, it's Isaiah McKenzie. He's just such a gadget player who can also play special teams if, in fact, Roberts got hurt or something. And they utilized him very well last year on, you know, little quick screens, um, reverses. He's very quick and shifty. He's great in the open field. Um, he's a great player to have, especially when Josh Allen's on the run outside the pocket and a play breaks down. The McKenzie, if he can find an open spot, he can really make things happen. And then as far as tight end goes, I have the Bills keeping three players. And those three players are Dawson Knox, Lee Smith, and Tyler Croft. Tyler Croft was a little bit disappointing last year. He's always obviously had some injury history um, concerns. Dawson Knox is a huge breakout candidate. And then Lee Smith's more of just a veteran leadership, uh, great blocker. But he really has to clean up his penalty issues that he had last season. But I think the tight end room's pretty set. Tommy Sweeney's currently on the PUP list. So I believe he could potentially make the 53-man roster at some point or near or be part of their practice squad. But we'll have to see with him. As far as the offensive line goes, I have the Bills keeping Ty Secchi, Daryl Williams, Ryan Bates, Quentin Spain, Mitch Morse, Brian Winters, Cody Ford, Deion Dawkins, and Ike Bodiger. So the main reason why there's a few guys on here that you maybe might not think would make the roster, such as Bates and Bodiger, is mainly because of John Feliciano being out, and they want to have that extra depth. Um, the only reason I actually have Ike Bodiger in here is because of that injury. Um, if Feliciano was healthy, I think he would be taking that spot. So he's a guy that's just going to be more of a depth guy. Brian Winter's a guy that we picked up from the Jets. Cody Ford has been solid all of camp, and Secchi was great last year when he was healthy. Darren Williams is an easy plug-and-play from the Carolina Panthers. Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott had a great relationship with him. Bates has always been a very solid backup. Deion Dawkins obviously just got that new payday. Mitch Morris, Quentin Spain, both great players to have. Veterans on that offensive line to protect Josh Allen. Um, so that's the offensive line. Defensive line, I have Mario Addison, Trent Murphy, Jerry Hughes, A.J. Epinesa, um, Vernon Butler, Quentin Jefferson, Ed Oliver, uh, Harrison Phillips, and Mike Love. I think Mike Love is going to be a surprising person that's going to make this 53-man roster. He showed very high promise last year in the preseason. Um, he's shown well so far throughout training camp. They always need some extra bodies on the offensive line, or excuse me, defensive line, solely because Trent Murphy's had some injury issues. Jerry Hughes getting up there in age. You don't want to give uh, Epinesa an over amount of reps. Um, I think it's going to be good for him to sit back and learn a little bit from guys like Addison and Hughes. Um, on the outside, Harrison Phillips is coming off of an injury. So anytime you could add that kind of defensive line depth, um, I think it's going to be great for the team. As far as linebackers go, I only have them keeping five in Tremaine Edmonds, Matt Milano, A.J. Klein, Makovich, and Andre Smith. Um, Andre Smith's a guy they just picked up from Carolina, veteran presence, good special teamers, going to be maybe in on some first and second downs for more of a Run-stopping presence in third and short. Um, Mateovich or Makovich, I don't even know how you pr properly pronounce it. I'm sorry for that, guys. 
Um, but he's the guy that we picked up from Pittsburgh. He's been one of the best special teamers in the NFL over the past few seasons. So he's going to get some snaps there, uh, but primarily on special teams. Then at safety, I have the Bills keeping five, which is Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, Dean Marlowe, Saran Neal, and Jaquan Johnson. Jaquan Johnson's a very a guy I'm very high on. I talked about it earlier um, in the year of guys who could have some breakout seasons. Saran Neal is another guy I've spoken very highly of. He's going to be a key person to have on the field to match up with some of those bigger tight ends. He has the ability to play in the slot corner as well. And then Dean Marlowe is another special teamer and good backup safety to rely on behind Poyer and Hyde. And then at cornerback, you have Tredavious White, Josh Norman, Levi Wallace, and Tarrant Johnson, as well as Cam Lewis. I think Cam Lewis is going to be a guy that's going to make this team, especially if Josh Norman isn't ready to go. Um, and I actually think Josh Norman might not start the season. That's why I have um, Cam Lewis on here. So really, after the special teams guys, which is Tyler Bass, Corey Bajorquez, and Reed Ferguson, I actually do have 54 guys. On here instead of 53, that's only because I don't know what Josh Norman's status is yet. That's why I added Mike Love on here as well. I think he would be the one that would be taken off if Norman is healthy. Um, but I just don't know that yet. That's why I included him in the list. Tyler Bass obviously won the kicking battle with Steven because They released him. But they also saved some cap, which I think is great to pay Matt Milano or uh, Trey White going forward. But that is going to be my 53-man roster projection. Some guys to look out for on the practice squad. Include Davis Webb, Reggie Gillum, Trey Adams, the offensive line, Voshan Joseph, Brian Cox Jr., and Dane Jackson are the names that I would look at. Brian Cox also had a very strong camp as well. We'll have to see if he makes the team over Mike Love or not, or if maybe they both miss. But that would be my 53-man projection. Moving on to Toronto Blue Jays, or the Buffalo Blue Jays, as everyone likes to call them now because they're playing in Buffalo. Um... As of right now, I'm actually recording this on a Tuesday. Um, so right now they're 18 and 15 overall. They're six and four in their last 10. Third in the AL, but they're only one game back of the New York Yankees. They've really been on a surge lately. They have Bo Bichette coming back shortly. They made some big deals at the trade deadline. Nothing, you know, that's gonna push them way over the top into World Series contention. But they made a lot of very smart, low-key investments. They're going to give them a push to make the playoffs this year to go into their young core with Gurriel, with Guerrero, with Bichette, um, Biggio, all of those guys. They got Ross Stripling from the Dodgers, good starting pitcher. On the year, he's 3-1 with a 5.61 ERA. They got Jonathan Villar, who's a great utility piece, can play second base and shortstop from the Marlins. He's batting 259, two home runs, nine RBIs, as well as nine stolen bases. He's a guy that has some good speed. Robbie Ray was a little bit of a question mark, but he was a guy that's coming off of a 12-8 and eight season last year as a starting pitcher from the Diamondbacks. He's 1-4 on the season with a 7.84 ERA, but the Blue Jays have been putting up a ton of runs, so maybe in a new, you know, new place he can be a better pitcher for the rest of the year. And then Tejon Walker, the starting pitcher from the Mariners they acquired. He's 3-2 on the year with a 3.27 ERA. And in his debut just the other day for the Blue Jays, he pitched six shutout innings, only allowing four hits with four strikeouts. So the Blue Jays are continuing to fight the Yankees for that second-place spot. The Rays are pretty much primarily in that first spot in the AL East. The Blue Jays and the Yankees play each other 10 more times in the remaining 20 games. 
So it's going to be a huge head-to-head matchup between those two teams to see who's going to make the playoffs in that second AL East spot. And the way the Blue Jays have been swinging the bats and putting up runs and the injury issues with the Yankees where they don't even know if they're going to get Judge or Stan back for the rest of the year. Garrett Cole's been rocky on the mound for them, and they paid him a lot of money in the offseason. I think the Blue Jays actually could make a real run at this this year and be a surprising team in the playoffs. I don't think they have the power to really win the whole thing based on their starting pitching, but they are going to be a team that in the next three or four years from now, you're going to be talking about because they have all these great young players, and they're going to be competing for World Series in the shortcoming years, you know, two, three years away. I really think that they can compete. And then finally for today's last topic for the podcast, we're going to be talking about the Buffalo Sabres. So this is just me going through my ideal offseason, what moves I would make, what I would do with the Sabres first round pick, you know, what free agents would I bring back that the Sabres have both unrestricted and restricted. Um, You know, the Sabres, honestly, I've talked about it so many times. They just need to mix up their roster. They need to get some more center depth. They need to change up their bottom six a lot. Um, They need to bring in another goaltender to really push Linus Allmark. And they got to get some more veteran presence that have been in winning organizations and just change the culture. You can't keep bringing back the same guys over and over and over and expecting the same results. You're bringing back the Jake McCabe's, the Iposos. You know, obviously Eichel and Reinhardt have been here a while, but they're obviously not the problem. You can say they are, you need to blow it up. But right now I'm really happy with what the top six looks like outside of second line center. They just need to really add some more pieces. So this is what I would do personally. So I'm kind of just going to go through the free agents that I brought back, go through two trades I would make, and then go through my entire lineup for next year, including free agents that I would sign. So starting off with the Sabres free agents, I would be bringing back Victor Olipson, Sam Reinhart, Dominic Cahoon, Tage Thompson, and Lawrence Pilot as well as giving Linus Allmark a new deal as well. Very short term, but Johan Larson, Zemgis Gergensen, VCs, all those guys are gone. I did consider bringing back Curtis Lazar, but I decided to add a different veteran um, centerman um, to you know center the fourth line, which I'll get to in a little bit. So those are basically the restricted free agents and unrestricted free agents I would bring back. And I know you're probably thinking, what about Brennan Montour and Casey Middlestat and some of those other guys? I'm going to get to that in just a second. So I decided to make two trades with the Vancouver Canucks and the Calgary Flames. And the reason I did this is because Calgary, to me, is the team that is ready to kind of blow it up and change things up. They've been a team in the Western Conference that's been making the playoffs consistently, but have been getting bounced out with good teams um, in the first and second round year after year when they really should be making huge runs to you know the Stanley Cup or the Western Conference Finals, especially with the talent they have with Goudreau, Monahan, you know Giordano. Their goaltending has obviously been suspect over the past few years, but they're a team I think that you know Elliot Friedman's reported that they could potentially blow everything up. And to me, the guy that I'm targeting is Sean Monahan. Sean Monahan's an easy plug-and-play right behind Jack Eichel at your number two center position. He's going to provide you anywhere from 65 to 75 points every single year. And he's going to just allow the Sabres to do so many more things. You saw last year when Jeff Skinner was away from Eichel, he really struggled. And I'm not saying that Jeff Skinner can't play with Eichel, but if you have a guy like Sean Monahan and Jeff Skinner can play with a player of that caliber on a second line, 
it allows Ralph Kruger to do a lot more things. I know he said he wants to balance out the scoring. Well, if you can move Jeff Skinner down and play him with a guy like that, you're going to get a lot more production than you did this year when you played him with Vladimir Saboka or Marcus Johansson, who was playing a center when he's a natural winger. So to me, this is a move you should go and make if they're willing to be blowing or parting ways with a guy like Monaghan or Goudreau. Obviously, Goudreau is the more talented player, but Monaghan fits the Sabres' needs for what they need right now to try to make the playoffs and keep Eichel around and kind of give fans what they want. And I know it's a very tough task for Kevin Adams in his first year as a GM, but that's kind of the role he's been put in, and he has to make things work. This is just what he has to do. It's a very you know, big year for the Sabres as an organization for the years to come this offseason on what they decide to do. And I think it's going to involve trading away some key pieces and veterans and even some picks. And the trade that I would make for this, and I did this through cap friendly and went through trade and make sure it all lined up and went out um, for, you know, salary cap reasons and whatnot. And the trade that I came up with is that Calgary receives Rasmus Ristolainen, Casey Middlestat, and the Buffalo Sabres 2020 first round pick. And in return, the Buffalo Sabres receive Sean Monahan as well as Eric Gustafson, which I think would be a huge addition for them on the back end to pair with a guy like Rasmus Dahlin or Henry Okiaru. I know a lot of people don't want to part ways with Middlestat or that first round pick yet, but to me, Middlestat hasn't shown enough for me at the NHL level, even in limited time, to see he's going to be you know that second, third line center you need him to be, and relying on him to do that this year I just don't think is an option. We've picked eight so many times, and how many picks have we screwed up at eighth overall or just in general outside of probably Dylan Cousins over the last five, six years? You look at the Alex Nylander, you know, Middlestat hasn't gotten there yet. You know, you can even go back to the Miguel Gregorenkos of the world. The Sabres just haven't shown the ability to select great talent when they've been in the top 10 outside of Eichel and Dahlin, which are pretty much just no-brainer picks. So to me, I'm willing to move on from that. If it's going to get me a top four defenseman and your number two second line center who already both are under contract for the next few years, I think it's an easy option for the Sabres to do. Then I'm looking at the Vancouver Canucks, a team that's very tight with the cap, not that the Sabres aren't. But to me, Vancouver's GM and owner have shown that they're willing to pay veteran players more money than their young guys, especially after this playoff run that they're on right now. So I have the Sabres receiving Brock Besser, Troy Stetcher, and a 2022 seventh round pick in exchange for Brandon Montour, Rasmus Asplund, Jake McCabe, and a 2021 second and sixth round pick. I know it's not great to throw away picks, but if you can get some other picks for these other guys, like even a Carter Hutton, who I'm going to talk about in a little bit about buying out or potentially trying to flip him for a late round pick. Brock Besser is a goal scorer that the Sabres desperately need. He can go on the wing of Monaghan or Eichel. Stetcher is going to be a guy that you can play, you know, 40, 50 games a year. He's kind of going to be that extra guy. And then, you know, Montour isn't a guy that they look like they want to resign. They weren't probably going to qualify him. Asplund hasn't shown anything when he's played up here. Jake McCabe had his worst season last year. And I think a second round pick really isn't going to kill the Sabres long term. And then free agent-wise, I have the Sabres signing Tyler Ennis, as well as Mark Pesek and Mike Condon, as well as Matt Martin. So the reason I wanted to bring back Mark Pesek 
is because I think he's a guy that, you know, has third and uh, third line potential who could play second line minutes if you need him to be. I know he's a former Saber and we really shouldn't have ever got written him. But same thing with Tyler Ennis. He could come in and be that fourth line center that could produce some goals. Obviously, he has some injury issues. And I know this can kind of sound contradicting what I've said about, you know, you can't just keep doing the same thing over and over again. These guys were on the team so far long, though, that they could fit into our lineup um, very well, in my opinion. And then as far as Mike Condon goes, I think he'd be a great backup to Linus Allmark. If Allmark does get hurt again, Condon is capable compared to Carter Hutton of playing long um, extended period of time. And then Matt Martin's a guy that I brought in from the Islanders just because you need some more grit to the lineup. We just don't have enough guys that want to hit. Um, I think Eric Gustafson brings that. Colin Miller can bring a physical presence. And I think as Rasmus Dali and Henry Okiara continue to evolve, they're going to be willing to hit a little bit more. Brock Besser is another guy that's not afraid to throw his body around. You know Kyle Laposo isn't. Cahoon isn't. You know, Tage Thompson with his body, I think he needs to be willing to throw his body around a little bit more. So my final lineup projected for the Sabres next year that I would have in a perfect offseason would be Jeff Skinner, Jack Eichel, and Brock Besser. Second line of Victor Olipson, Sean Monahan, and Sam Reinhart. Third line, Dominic Cahoon, Dylan Cousins, and Marcus Johansson. And then fourth line, Tage Thompson, Tyler Ennis, and Kyle Oposo. On defense, Rasmus Dahlin and Colin Miller, Henry Okiaru, Eric Gustafson, Lawrence Pilot and Mark Pesic with Linus Allmark and Mike Condon in goal. And then your extras are Matt Martin, Troy Setcher, and Will Borgen, who I think could play a role for them defensively. Bring a physical presence when you need him to against the more physical teams in the Eastern Conference, the Tampas, the Bostons of the world. He'll probably play 30 to 40 games for you next year, depending on how long the season's going to be and when the season starts. But that's just my opinion, shaking up the roster, getting a second line center, allowing Dylan Cousins to slot into third line minutes, um, addressing another issue, getting rid of uh, Montour and Ristolain just to change things up on the back, and while also bringing in a familiar face in Pesic and getting a good solid player in Gustafson who's capable of putting up 40 to 50 points on the defensive end to pair with guys like Dali and Okiaru. But that's going to do it for this week's episode. I appreciate everyone all for their patience. Like I said, give at English Encore Podcast a follow on Instagram. You can check out later today. I'll be posting all the info you need for shirt ordering. Starting next week, pre-order September 9th. I'll be back again on Friday with another episode. This has been English Encore Podcast, Buffalo's favorite sports channel. Stay safe, everyone.